0: Powered by Riverside. Welcome back to the backside ground balls pod. Um, I know we're coming to our loyal listeners a little later this week, and that's because as we've said several times through this podcast, life happens. And speaking of life happening, if anybody's tuning into the YouTube video right now, you will notice that Dan is on a pitch black screen and that's because he's driving home right now. That is how loyal and committed we are to the pod. So Dan, hey, first off, make sure we're driving safe. I, I learned at UPS early on, no distracted driving. <laughs> don't be checking your phone, don't be doing anything like that. We're just we're just having a conversation, right?
1: Yeah, I don't think UPS would be thrilled if you were recording a podcast while you're on the clock. Um, I'm going to try and <laughs> I'm going to try and be safe here. If you hear any uh cuss words or honking or crunching in the background, I apologize.
0: It's okay, you know, I just got back from a road trip. Literally as I pulled in to my house, Dan proceeded to leave. I had to go up to New York for a family emergency this weekend because life happens. Dan's going home for the holidays and Colin is out there doing something with life right now and we are trying to get on as a group as much as possible but the holiday season we're just happy to get out here and produce a podcast for you guys so um that's first and foremost you know we're just getting one out hopefully we'll be back actually for something different later this week it might not come to you guys on podcast platforms But make sure you check out the Backside Ground Balls TikTok page. Colin mentioned it at the back end of the the episode. We're going to do a segment. It's going to be a little bit new, and it's going to be interesting. We think it'll be really valuable to our loyal listeners and to to some followers on TikTok. We're going to do what's called batting practice. Dan came up with the name. I like the name, so we're rolling with it. I'm a big offense guy, even though uh, I'm on a podcast with two pitching guys. And we're pretty much just going to do little snippets and, and videos of really any questions. I mean, we've gotten anything from Lou Lee, if you know, you know, uh, all the way to you, you want to learn about <laughs> crazy Aids to Colin pitching in a super regional on national television and obviously pitching in the minor league. So we got a ton of questions piling up for our listeners. If you're listening to us right now and you want to shoot us a DM on Twitter, shoot us a DM on TikTok. I don't even know how that stuff works. Or if you just want to shoot either of us a message, we'd love to keep adding some questions to that and making sure we're getting getting a good amount for you guys because we want to start producing that content and you know follow the page and when you start seeing a video on there, make sure you share so we can get more more listeners and and more subscribers from that end. So hopefully we're going to be hopping back on here. We're going to be getting some video content with Colin. He's going to be producing that TikTok and and hopefully we'll be uh, rolling from there. Dan, you got anything on on the batting practice segment that we're going to be starting this?
1: I'm just excited for the direction of of what we're doing here. Obviously, we've had a blast, you and I, since we started this thing back up over the summer. And, um, you know, to see kind of direction take shape and we're going to continue to hopefully shape shift as we go along doing this because none of us really know what we're doing, but we're having fun. And I think that's that's all that really matters.
0: There's there's no doubt that we're having fun. And I mean, even you wanna talk about taking steps in our podcast. We have our first live loyal listener in Sarah Galati in the passenger seat of your car. So like it's 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 a dinner and a date right there. So uh, we got our first our first true loyal listener listening to us live. So any mess ups we have, she's gonna know the unedited version of well, this. Well,
1: I don't know how loyal she's got she's got airpods in listening to an audio book right now, but I'm sure she can hear me over it. <laughs> I <laughs>
0: Yeah, we we don't have to tell people that that's 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 okay. We'll we'll keep that one close to the vest here. So, um, you know, with this with this episode, obviously we got a lot going on. But to be honest with you, I would like to have Colin here. It's a lot easier to have that group discussion with all three of us. So this episode is going to be unique to anybody that knows Dan and I. You know that we can kind of get rolling. This is literally just going to be Dan and I's phone conversation. We hung up the phone and I vlogged in the Riverside and just clicked record. That's how we're going to roll with this. That's how it's going to go. So we're not going to really cover any of the the recent free agent talk you know the way I look at that we'll cover that as we get closer to spring training and we start to break down teams of how the Aaron Judge contract impacts that the Yankees how you know the Dansby Swanson contract impacts the Cubs which you know I know Dan is really a fan of I'm a fan of as well you know so all these different topics that obviously we get into the offseason and and as we continue to get closer to the season that's when we're going to dive in a little bit um obviously judge is a, is a huge deal and a big deal for baseball for a guy who's a, who's arguably the face of baseball getting 40 million a year. So he probably deserves his own episode. And I just don't think Dan and I can give him a justice and not having Colin here to kind of dive into that episode. So we're kind of just going to ad little bit Good old, you know, just basically Dan and Trevor phone conversation. You guys are going to get a firsthand look at, at how these conversations go. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy this episode and, and you know, happy holidays for all those listening, hopefully on your, on your rides to where you're going with like Dan is right Right now, so Dan's recording on his way to where he's going. You might be going somewhere else, listening to our pod. You might be working on Saturday, like me on Christmas Eve. And I hope you guys just all enjoy. So, you know, Dan, just to kick off this conversation, I know we're we're having a little good time right now, but there is something that you know, as I spent eighteen plus hours in the car over the weekend, that I kind of wanted to talk about. That isn't as as fun to talk about, and that is Mike Leach, right? And obviously, Dan and I are huge. College football fans, and why does this matter on a baseball podcast? The reason why I think this matters on a college baseball podcast is because Mike Leach invented the air raid at Valdosta State. If anybody knows where Valdosta State is, other than our our deep college (laughs) baseball followers, you can you can figure that out. And the reason the reason why I want to bring up Mike Leach in in a in a baseball context is because I guarantee when he was out Valdosta, people were telling him that's not going to work at the big time. That's not going to work in the SEC. And then he he moved to the SEC and he made Tim Couch a first round pick, first overall pick actually, and won at Kentucky. And then he got the job with Bob Stoops because Steve Spurrier told Bob Stoops, hire the offensive coordinator because you're not an offensive guy. Hire the offensive coordinator who gives you the most problems. And it was Mike Leach in the air. Right. right. And every step along the way of Mike Leach's coaching career, it was that's not going to work at the next level and that's not going to work at the next level. That's not going to work at the next level. And that's not And why does that have to do with baseball, right? What have we heard for the last couple years, which whether you want to call it launch angle, analytics, all this stuff, that's not going to work. That wouldn't work in pro ball. That wouldn't work against the best pitching. That wouldn't work against all this stuff, all these these new age advancements, all the technology, all the, the nerds, you want to call them, whatever that be. We've heard it year in and year out. That, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. And it continues. And Mike Leach continued to show what he built at Oklahoma, the offense that he built. He might not have directly won a national championship there with Bob Stoops, but the team the first year after he left won a national championship. He had Texas Tech. Texas Tech is not a program that wins at a national level very consistently. He had Texas Tech beating Texas, number one ranked Texas, on a walk-off touchdown and that place was going nuts and that team could compete on any field with any given on any given defense any given offense they're going toe-to-toe with everybody across the country he won at washington state where nobody wins nobody wins right that's just a fact nobody wins and then at Mississippi State I wish we could have seen him get more time in the SEC to see what he could have done to see if his offense could have you know really turned made a corner and had I mean I think he could have won 10 11 games in the SEC on any given year with that offense and with being able to bring the knowledge that he brings so you know when you think of Mike Leach Dan what you know a, obviously, you're a college football fan. You're an SEC fan. Give your pay your tribute to him. Obviously, he was one of the greatest coaches of all time. He deserves to be a Hall of Famer. But B, you know, give a little light on on how that obviously, you know, the baseball world and people that might not know Mike Leach should understand who he is and why he's important to us as baseball fans.
1: Well, I just think that one, I don't think someone like can like me can can pay the respect that. Or give a tribute that guy deserves. And if anybody's looking for any information, I've seen so many different articles um, over the past week, obviously since kind of the news broke that he was in the hospital and things weren't looking good. That that people had written about him, um, that are terrific. So it's pretty easy to find those. Um, a lot of them are easy to access. They weren't, you know, not behind a paywall, but. Man, Mike Leach is just one of the all-time best characters in sports, period. Like, in, in any sport, anywhere. And obviously, as a diehard college football fan um, like you and I are, Mike Leach is a character that you love. Like, I don't care what school you, you root for, uh, where you're from, who you, who you watch, who you follow. Like, you respect and you love Mike Leach. And obviously, you touched on a lot of it, what he did with Hal Mummy starting the air raid at Valdosta. Um, Mike Leach was recruiting Kirby Smart to Valdosta State. Um, when Kirby was in high school, and, and then Kirby ended up on staff there with under you know Chris Hatcher, and, and Leach was around. And then Leach and How Mommy Go to Kentucky. And just the, the coaching tree that, that people don't realize that Mike Leach, you know, Lincoln Riley, he called Lincoln Riley into his office when he was coaching him and said, you're not going to play, but I want you to coach. And Lincoln Riley was upset, and guess what? Lincoln Riley turned into a pretty dang good, dang good coach. And there's so many stories like that. And I think, to me, my favorite part about Leach, like most people, is just – how off the, the wall he was because he was such a unique person. You know, you hear all the cliche coaches in every sport, whether it's baseball or football or, or any of them, and they all sound the same, right? Um, and then there's every once in a while there's those unique few who speak their mind no matter what. And Leach was one of those guys, whether it's a Pac-12 press conference talking about what mascot would win in a fight or he's talking about Halloween candy or marriage. Um, and he was genuine. And he, And, you know, I've seen so many just – different little stories from uh, people in sports media who cover college football talking about times where they got a chance to talk to Leach. And most coaches give you five, 10 minutes of the same scripted stuff. And Leach would give them 45 uninterrupted minutes and they'd end up, they'd have two questions when they called and they would never even get to them because they'd be talking about pirates. And this is a guy who was coaching at the Power Five level and was still writing books and teaching um, classes, which is like, you know, that's a very Division Two for those of us who are Division Two, Division Three. Yeah. your coaches are <laughs> teachers, um, stuff like that. And, and so it's it's just so – he was so special in that regard because he was so different um, and he was so unique. And, you know, he, he, he cared about his kids and he, he loved the communities he was a part of. I mean, you talk about a guy who was from – out in the, the Pacific North, Northwest, he was from, I believe, Wyoming, right? Cody, Wyoming, I think is where he was originally from. And then he, he goes and, and he goes out to uh, Washington State, a program that had pretty much been dead. And he revived that program and and he made a huge impact on that community. He would walk to work, to and from work every every day. He would walk to work. He didn't want to ever ride. Um, and whether it was rain, sleet, snow, light, Dark. He was walking and and getting to know that community, and the people in the restaurants would know him. And you know, he he wrote his book in a coffee shop in in up in Pullman, and uh, he was just that type of person. He wasn't, you know, what a lot of these power five coaches are, and I understand why they are that way. They have so many things going on, but Leach was just different. He was a character, and he was great. And it's it's really sad. And I thought he had done a great job already at Mississippi State. I mean. You know, when they had Dan Mullen, they, they had done a good job. And then, you know, they had struggled for a couple of years after Mullen left. And then they brought in Leach. And Leach, man, he had really started to turn that program around. And it, that was a tough blow for the for the college football world. And, and as far as tying into baseball and why it's important, I think just the sense of daring to be different. Leach didn't care. Leach didn't care that, you know, you were supposed to win when he was getting – when he was coming up, right, you were winning with, you know, defense and running the ball, right? We saw the great Bama teams. You mentioned Bob Stoops, and those Oklahoma defenses were terrific, and um, each didn't care. And, and I think that was the thing. He was he was curious, and he wanted to learn. He loved to learn in all subjects too. He wasn't just going to be, you know, cornered in as a college football coach. He, he let his mind wander and to be balanced, and that's something that we don't get a lot of today. I like especially when you're coaching in in college athletics like you're it's frowned upon to do anything other than work well leach was leach was a power five head football coach and he had many other interests other than football and you know he he didn't let anyone tell him how he should act or what he should do or that he was crazy it didn't discourage him he just continued on his way and and you know because of that i think he was successful because no moment was ever going to be too big for mike leach because Half the time, he wondered if he truly cared if he won or lost the game, right? Like, he was just doing yeah. it because he loved mm-hmm. football. And, and if he lost, he'd go home and figure out a way to win the next week. And, I mean, he was so awesome for that. And just personally, I mean, for me, um, that snapshot of Crabtree walking the sideline, that end zone shot of Crabtree tiptoeing that sideline to beat Texas – is one of the reasons I fell – that game is one of the reasons I fell in love with college football, and that snapshot's mm-hmm. in my mind and will be forever of Crabtree turning that corner um, to, to walk off with that touchdown. I mean, and, and that was a – like you said, no one ever won at Texas Tech on the national stage. They were number two in the country at one point under Mike Leach, and yeah. he was just that kind of guy, and, and he's going to be missed, and I can't imagine being a Mississippi State player right now. Um, what that must be yeah. like to lose your head coach is, is terrible. And, and um, I'm happy with the fact that they announced that they're going to give the job to Zach Barnett, their D coordinator, who I think has done a great job there. And um, he runs that that 3-5 um, defense that gives a lot of people troubles. It's, it's unique. And he was a perfect yeah. fit for mm-hmm. Leach, and I think he's going to be a great predecessor for Leach.
0: Yeah, 100%. And, and just – you know, you mentioned the fact of the balance, right? He was interested in all types of things, right? Like even in, in college baseball, small right. college baseball, like you run into a lot of coaches that are just baseball, ride or die baseball yeah. rats. And there's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with that. But, you know, there's some beauty in the fact of being adaptable, right? You know, almost I always used to say like, you know, I'm a chameleon. Right. Right, I always took pride in being a chameleon. I could connect with anybody. Exactly. You know, I I walk around, you know, when I'm out delivering packages, and it doesn't matter if I'm delivering delivering to a mobile home or the nicest home on the block. If that person's out front, like I'm adaptable, I'm able to communicate and, with those people and and pay my respects. Right, like you know, like treat them like a human being, and and. That's because I have other interests. Like I got a bookshelf behind me for anybody on YouTube. Like you, anybody can come scour my bookshelf. It's got anything you could imagine on that on that bookshelf. That's about whether it's history, whether it's about, you know, fiction, sports, college football, baseball, leadership, anything. And then again, it's just it proves the fact that you don't have to be your sport all the time to be successful. Mike Leach did it. He did it at a high level and he cared, you know, just because he, he cared about pirates (laughs) and Vikings and, and all these things that he did care about and he was opinionated about doesn't mean that he doesn't care about football and that doesn't mean he can't be successful. And he cared about his kids. Right. And I think, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that, that's the biggest thing, you know, coaching wise. And that's, that's the biggest thing motivationally wise. Like, you know, you can get anybody to, to, to follow you through, through any adversity if, if you care. Right. Right. Whether you're you don't have to be the smartest guy in the room, but you have to be able to connect and build a relationship with everybody. And And Mike Leach's curiosity led him to be able to connect with a lot of people. It was it definitely wasn't his football track record because he played rugby at BYU. Right. Exactly. Right. And 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 the baseball world starting to figure that out, that maybe not necessarily the best hitter, the Barry Bonds of the world, they might not be the best coaches. They might not be able to connect with the guy that's struggling through a 210 season and and not feeling like he's successful because to Barry Bonds that was, it was easy. never going to happen. To the guy yeah, to the guy who hit 450 in in college baseball and turns into coaching right out of his playing career, like that guy doesn't understand what it's like to struggle. That guy doesn't understand what it's like to go over for 3 for multiple stretches, like and that's what coaching is, right? There is a p- pedigree part. There is a, a a fraction of building respect when you walk in the door based off of your playing career and your pedigree and your name, but that's out the door by week two. I can tell you right. that's out the door by week two in the fall. Oh, when guys used to ask me like, "Hey," by the end of
1: camp, right? Like you're not yeah, even yeah, exactly. Like right,
0: it, it's it's over. Nobody cares. Like guys would ask all the time, like, "Hey, Trev, like how good were you?" I would say, "I'm 24 years old and I'm right. coaching. That's all you right. need to know. Right. I'm not in the big leagues. I'm not in the minor leagues right now. I'm not still playing. It's not worth it for me to still be playing. So the answer you need right now is my career doesn't <laughs> does matter, matter because it's in the past. And I don't, right. Colin can hop right. on here and talk about his career. Right. right. He can he can flex his his stat, whatever he wants right. to do. And that's not the person he is. But like he's still playing, so he's better than anybody who's sitting on right. the couch right now. Even if you threw ninety in high Correct. school, right? Whatever you want to say, and and there's so many coaches out there that think that just because they had success at some point along the way means that 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 success is owed or respect is owed. Respect is earned, Correct. right? And Mike Leach earned respect at every step of the way by producing, by putting together offenses that could score, by taking teams like Valdosta who might not have had the most talent down there in Georgia and making him a contender by making Kentucky. Who was a perennial basketball school? I know uh, Mark Stoops. You got a little <laughs> offended when John Calipari said that, but you are a basketball school and took Kentucky and made their offense really good. And obviously, once he transitioned into Oklahoma and made their offense, you know, pretty darn solid. You're talking about a team that that is a national championship contender and and building towards that. And now you're looking at Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley's taking what Mike, Mike Leach taught him and he's going to recruit Southern California. Great. And he's going to compete at a national level. And, you know, in baseball, it's the same thing. You talked about him being out of the box, right. At, you know, not normal, pushing the trends, pushing the narratives, pushing everything. And, You know, that's something that I think today is less of a conversation than it used to be. I think it's more common today. It's more acceptable today. And if anything, we're trending backwards in terms of not being as against the trend, kind of going backwards to the balance side of things and falling in the middle. But again, I mean, time and time again, I would say I'm an out of the box thinker. Like if anybody wants to sit down and get in a rabbit hole with me about anything baseball, I'm probably going to push back on historical trends and why, why? You know, like that's the biggest question is being open-minded enough to say why. Why do we do this? Why do we think that? Why does this work? Why does that work? Why did this work for this guy? Why did that work for that guy? And as a coach and as somebody who, like Mike Leach, he basically looked at football and said why. And the ability to look at football and say why and the ability to look at baseball and say why, you know, about everything. Why do we do that? 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 That's where growth comes from.
1: Exactly. And I think – probably the best lesson of all that we can learn from Mike Leach is, is you don't have to fit the picture of what you're supposed to be and you don't have to, you know, fit in the societal norms of, of what people think you should be to be successful, right? Like Mike Leach, wasn't the picture perfect, what you would expect out of a power five coach, but you know what Mike Leach was and, and what it really takes to be successful is be genuine, right? Be yourself and be genuine. And, and Mike Leach was unapologetically himself. He was genuine all, at all times, right? There was no bit of show ever with Mike Leach, you know. You would hear him at, at, at all times. I've, obviously, the viral clips we all know so well, like I'd mentioned about the mascots and Halloween candy and marriage. But even if you just listen to him talk about an upcoming opponent, like, he would never sugarcoat things. He was going to be completely honest, right? You know, I remember – listening to bits of his, his, you know, press leading up to the Georgia game this year and, and talking about, well, you know, they asked him a question about how do you how do you beat Georgia? And he was pretty much like, I don't know if we can. Like, I, look at the players they have. They're, you know, they're really good. And, and Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington, you don't really have answers for them on offense. And defensively, they got a million five-star. And, like, it's just – it was always so refreshing to hear him. And, and no wonder he could inspire guys to play for him. Because when you're genuine like that and you show that you care, that's that's how you become successful. Like you said, it doesn't – the accolades don't necessarily matter when – especially when you're talking about coaching. To me, it's like like you said, when guys would ask what I was like as a college baseball player, my answer was always pretty stock and not as good as any of you. Because it didn't matter. Yeah, like like you said, it doesn't matter. I'm here. I'm, I'm coaching. I'm I'm in my early 20s and I'm coaching you guys so clearly I'm uh, I wasn't good enough to talk about it.
0: <laughs> mhm. Mhm. Definitely, definitely. And 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 that's that's the most important thing, you know, you talk about whether it's leadership or whether it's coaching or whether it's even being a teammate. It's humility, mm-hmm. right? Humility and and being able to to adapt and and understand like it's just it, it's an open-mindedness that not enough people have right and and that's in in all walks and avenues of life like the open-mindedness to just be honest with media members to not buy into coach speak and not just say what people want to hear just be frank and honest right and and it's and it's awesome to to kind of see see Mike Leach and the impact that he made on on college football and and what we can learn right whether again I know we got guys that still play you know whether you're a leader and and people look up to you and look after you or, or you're a coach and and you really want to want to grow and, and find that next step it's you know you can learn something from Mike Leach right you, you can learn something from from college football coaches you can learn something from pirates yeah you can learn something from world war Two. you can learn something from all these things so you know don't be so caught up in the baseball side of things and and get yourself tunnel vision to the point where you know you don't even realize that anything else exists out there because then when baseball is taken away from you you you're kind of stuck with your you an know, identity hands empty and, and looking for something to, to say. yep exactly and and. We all, we all know people that have been there if I'm not mistaken. So I've been there um, and I've
1: been there, right? Like, I I mean, and and that's just such a normal thing to be there in that sense of, you know, at at one point, especially when you're young, right. And you're, and you're going through the maturation process, which I think is probably so hard for one of the biggest things for high school guys, getting to the next level and jumping college is like, or even guys who get into colleges, right. You have to mature. And and a lot of times when you're that good and Mm -hmm. you're, you're moving on to play at the college level or even better and you're getting drafted it's like your whole identity is wrapped up in baseball and understanding and trying to find a way to understand that that's not the truth and I think another important lesson is you know understanding your value and and understanding the value in everyone else too that you're the group that you're a part of you know because no matter what the skill level is everyone involved in a program or a team or an organization brings some kind of value and if you can understand other people's value and you can also understand your own value to the group, then that's when things, you know, that's, those are the best leaders. Those are the best coaches. Those are the best teammates.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and you talk about that identity crisis and I, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of military history. I listen to a lot of podcasts of ex-military guys and, You know, that's one thing they talk about is, you know, when you're done, that lack of identity because your identity was the military. I don't think being an athlete's that much different. Right. And I, I, it's, it starts later in the military, right? You don't join till you're 18 or or 22 in some cases, but, you know, it starts a lot earlier as an athlete from four years on until you're 22 when you play up to college or even 18 when you play through high school. It's like, you know, I always used to say like I was Trevor Powers, the baseball player in college right. right oh how do you know that guy always oh, on the baseball team or in high school i was a, a pretty solid hockey player people knew me more as the hockey player and in, in high school and you know when they would announce the scores they'd hear my name and you know you become associated Correct. with that and when you get that taken away from you very quickly abruptly sometimes you know i know we have we have guys that we know um obviously guys that we coach that's careers ended because of COVID-19 pandemic, mine included. Right. Um, we have guys who have lost their careers because of injury. We have guys who have walked away early We've guys that we know on a personal level. And there's, there's a balance, man. You gotta, you gotta really find, find that, that Zen and balance in life and be able to walk away from baseball and, and find peace outside of, out of your sport or your profession or anything like that. And, and being well-rounded and being adaptable and, and, things like that and it allows you to at least walk away you know you and i walked away from coaching this year we thought we were going to coach until we we're seven right. years old you know we thought we were going to be hitting fungos at 65 with a with a cane like behind Gleisa us that we need to walk yep. away from yeah exactly and uh <laughs> and um you know it, it take i think the reason why we've been successful is yes partially this podcast but it's also the fact that like we could sit down and chalk it up about anything right anything right I mean I can sit down with with people that don't know anything about baseball and if they want to talk about something else like I don't have to talk like my life isn't baseball never was when I was coaching it never was when I was playing for certain stretches it was but I really started to understand that balance at the back end of my career and you know I think it helped me transition in, into this new chapter of life
1: well and I think it's still I mean it, it's still hard and even just going through this transition like you said like assuming that I was going to coach for the rest of my life and then you walk away and and realizing like well ever since i was 3 years old i've been a part of a team and now i'm not you know yeah. and luckily we have this podcast which has obviously you know helped us get the fix and um kind of make us feel a part of the group again but you know a, a lot of people go through that where you're on a team your entire life and then that's taken away from you and that that's tough like it, you know for my entire life i knew what to expect i was going to be on a team i was going to have teammates and and or players or or coaching staff guys that i coached with and then all of a sudden you know you walk away and and you don't have that anymore and that's an adjustment and that's a real thing that um i i don't think people who are outside of it never really were seriously involved with it understand that a lot of people you know that that's what you live for and although you may have even if you do have some of that balance like that was kind of – it was all balanced around that. And, and when, when you lose mm-hmm. that, it can be tough. And um, some people don't handle it well. And, and I know, like you said, you know, you know people on a personal level who have had you know, baseball or, or another sport taken away or, or their careers end abruptly. And, and it can be a, a tough adjustment in trying to figure out who they are and where to go next.
0: Yeah, and it's 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 always so tough, you know. I I used to tell our guys all the time, and I know I've said this on the podcast before, but you know, one of the things that I kind of came to the conclusion of was like, if you go o for four and you go home, and you know, let's just say you go to your favorite restaurant, are you going to enjoy that meal as much if you went o for four or four for four? the I, I would have said no. Right. If I, if I was o for four, I probably would have just wanted to go home and, right. and starve myself and. You know, I used to tell guys all the time, like, "Hey, man, that's the balance we got to find, right? You, you can't, you can't ruin your life outside of baseball." And and again, that's that's at every level. I tell Colin that all the time. Right. You know, what I'm saying, and, and he doesn't struggle with that, right? Like, this is a guy that that is, you know, wants to make baseball his career, other than podcasting. He must be <laughs> podcaster first, baseball player second. Um, <laughs> but this is a guy who, you know, at that level, like he has a, he had a rough stretch this yep. year um it he would he would come on here and say that i'm not speaking out of tone here but it never affected the person he was right like it never it right. probably kept him up at night you know it probably stressed him out but he wasn't going home and and punching fridges and and throwing throwing balls through lockers right. and whatever you want to say like it and that's something that you know, I was at the Division Three level. You were at the Division Two level. Like we see guys that can't handle like a bad game, right. and you're like, dude, you're at <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you're at this no name park in Jersey outside of Philadelphia. Uh, it's yeah, raining. like in the middle of Jersey. <laughs> like yeah like, okay. <laughs> yeah, like it's okay. Yeah, like it's literally okay. Like it's not the end of the world. There's a crackhead yelling at your shortstop right now because you're you're in, blue, you're in Yeah, yeah, like he's calling your 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 second baseman. And noodle Newark, knees, Jersey, like and it's right, like exactly yeah it's like just lit that up that
1: and i got a contact high in the dugout like yeah. trevor's scaling the fence with his pants rolled up like exactly not serious we'll be okay we'll be okay
0: Oh uh, exactly
1: people uh, but it's a real, th- it's yeah, a real and, thing yeah and
0: and that's again like We had a little bit of technical difficulties on my end. I, I'm not hearing Dan very well, so if it sounds a little choppy, that's why. But exactly. That's what that's what I'm saying. I don't I don't know if Dan lost a little service here, so hopefully he'll check back in if if he does. But exactly. There's a there needs to be a balance in terms of that and and Mike Leach and hopefully some people like like Colin, you know, hopefully Dan and I can embark some wisdom on on anybody who struggles with that, who sees baseball as as their true identity because it's it's so easy to get caught up in that. It's so easy to get caught up in the fact of, you know, this is my everything. You know, I want to go because you want to perform, you want to be good, you want to have success and and everything of that nature and that's perfect. That's perfectly fine. And at the end of the day, the ability to just flat out Turn Not turn the page, but be able to have an understanding that all your successes and failures, they don't define you, right? Having a good day, having a bad day, none of that defines you. It never will define you. And baseball is a game of failure, specifically. Baseball will always be a game of failure. And the ability to have those failures and to not completely just go off the grid, off the rails, really struggle all those things like that. It's really important to success. It's really important to success. If you're ever going to get to the next level, if you, you know, Colin would come on here and and say the same thing. And, you know, it's really important to get that. And obviously, like I said, this, this podcast has no rundown today. So that was not <laughs> a rabbit hole I thought we were going to get down. I know it, it it just went there. And I know it's a conversation I'm passionate about. I know it's a conversation Dan's passionate about. I know Colin would feel the same way. Um, but, you know, it's awesome to kind of see that that perspective. Like I said, we did have a little technical difficulties. Dan kind of lost his connection there. I don't even know if he knows he lost would, connection. So if it sounds a little choppy. Yeah. I would, I would. Um, but one of the other things
1: we're we're in south hill right now and it's uh we're out in the sticks a little bit trying to make our way up the east coast and uh service wasn't great i apologize thanks for being the glue tonight i we need you
0: it's okay i I have I have no problem, and, and that's the other thing. I'm not going to sit there and try to act like I'm going to edit that perfectly and try to try to restart this. I'm just going to admit flat out on a recorded platform that it might be bad. I'm not going to edit it. That's all I'm saying. Because if it sounds bad, it's just going to sound bad in your ears. So, um, as long as we don't got anything any loud noises impacting pe- impacting people's hearing, that that's all I'm worried about. So. One of the other things I wanted to talk about, and, and again, you know, we're very passionate about player development. We're very passionate about leadership and, and, and all the things like that. And you know, you sent me an article based off the are uh, written on the athletic. If anybody has a subscription, you know, go check it out. I don't have a subscription. I'm poor. I own a house, and uh, so Dan Dan gave me the Cliff Notes version because I can't afford fifty dollars a year apparently. And. Uh, <laughs> And basically, it's it, it was the Philadelphia Phillies kind of changing their structures structures of their minor league hitting development. Again, you know, if there's anything I'd say I'm passionate about, it's hitting development specifically in in the minor league ranks, and and it's something that I can go to go hours and hours talking about. But basically, when they made the change change at the major league level right. with Kevin Long becoming the hitting coach, and this is something that Dave Torresani shout out uh, told me probably february of last year um that this was something that the phillies were trending towards and we both agreed and had a really long lengthy in-depth conversation about why we thought it would work and now it's kind of coming to light because um, with the with the shutdown last year i guess everything was behind closed doors i don't know where he found out he's probably got no some doubt. people that he knows he knows everybody um <laughs> that gave him some inside intel but basically kevin long it was obviously hired as the the hitting coach of the major league team the phillies but one of the things that a lot of teams struggle with a lot. I mean, there's no denying that I, I don't have to be in these locker rooms to completely understand is every coach kind of has their own unique right. way of coaching, right? That's that's any any place you go, any any organization you go into, anything you do. And and basically they made a structure where Kevin Long was basically in another term the hitting coordinator but specifically focused on hitting coach of the major league team. So he had a lot of people that worked on under him, obviously the minor league hitting coordinator, the minor league hitting coaches at each level, and they basically got on the same page, right? Doesn't sound like rocket science to me, but you'd be surprised how many organizations probably think this is way out of left field. And basically, Kevin Long made the structure of what he embodied of the prototypical hitter and how they wanted to develop hitters. And they all worked together, and they kind of made had continuity. So when a guy went from A ball to double A, which in the past regime, you saw it with Scott Kingery. You saw it with a lot of guys that have had really good low minors careers with the Phillies specifically that have gone up a level. And started to struggle. Right. And they looked like these top prospects in double A, whether you want to say it was because Lehigh Valley is a good hitters park and, and whatever other one they're going to is not. I, I don't, I can't speak on that because I don't think it's, it's true. I don't think it's factual. But they would step up a level and they would start to get worse, right? A lot of guys at the – I mean, you hear about these guys in triple A with the Phillies that have made it to the big leagues and got worse. That's because – from my perspective and from obviously Kevin Long's perspective and obviously anybody in that organization, there's a lack of continuity, a lack of communication, a lack of structure. When you get to double A, you're getting new information that you had in A ball. And you like the guy at A ball. But the guy in Double A has a big ego and he wants to tell you how to do it his way. And that's not gonna work at this level. That's not gonna work at least, cough, cough, Mike Leach um, hanging over all of us telling us it will work at this <laughs> level. But And being able to build something, being able to build staff continuity, being able to build communication from top down, you know, I really think it's going to make a huge difference with the Phillies organization so you know Dan you obviously read the full article and you know just give us your thoughts on on what that's going to mean for the Phillies player development moving forward well you
1: got to be hopeful when something like this happens and a lot of it I think also goes back to you know when when they brought in the the whole regime of Dabrowski and and um, you know I think Preston Mattingly has been the uh, you know Don Mattingly's son has been the kind of the linchpin to all of this is he was hired as the director of player development and you know, he had a tall task at hand because, you know, the Phillies for a while there, they had been mired in losing. They were trying to rebuild and they were just failing. You know, they weren't drafting and developing well. And you'd hear about guys and they would flame out. and uh, Matt Gelb, who wrote the article, who, I love Matt Gelb. Um, follow him on social media. Even if you don't want to subscribe to The Athletic, he's, he's the beat writer for the Phillies and he does an awesome job. Um, and he really gets it. But, uh, you know, he he was talking about how you would see a lot of these guys who would come up in, in throughout the Phillies system and the swings and misses would just skyrocket as they would, you know, kind of increase through the system. And so, you know, Preston, Mad- Preston Mattingly was really tasked with a tough job when he got hired as the director of PD. And it, it, they were kind of nothing, and, and he's really done a good job. And and the biggest thing, which is so funny because you when you really think about anything – athletically related or not right like so much of everything comes back to communication and that was really the thing that Preston Mattingly wanted to make sure they corrected because there was clearly some flaws in the chain of why are these guys being successful at this level of the minors but then they can't advance and they're not progressing at all you saw it on the pitching side you saw it on the hitting side and you know a communication was the biggest key and they you know they for some reason fixed um the pitching side of that a little bit quicker and Brian Barber, who's their director of scouting has done a great job with that as well. Um, they put in, him in charge essentially of drafting um, along with Sam fold and, and Lee and Dombrowski. And um, those guys have done a great job I and mean, they scouted some good pitchers, but you watched like it would happen with the pitchers. They used to, you would hear about these guys and Spencer Howard and you would dominate. And then as they would progress, they would struggle. Mm-hmm. Now you have guys like Mick Abel and Griff McGarry and Andrew Painter who have just continuously climbed. I mean, Abel and, and Painter, across three different levels last year and dominated and so they were continuing to do it and now they've started to do it on the offensive side of things where you know everyone kind of reports back to Kay long and they hired uh, a new hitting coordinator at the minor league level to kind of be the person who's talking to all the minor league hitting coaches and then talking to kevin long and talking to preston mattingly so that their communication is key and and if you can just the Ease of helping guys, especially young hitters, where it's so much mental, I mean, you can speak to this, how mental it is, Mm -hmm. to be able to then be hearing the same messaging throughout the levels is got to be, I mean, just such a a relief for the player. It's got to be so much easier on their mentality because... Yeah, it's hard enough to be thrown into the deep end and now you're playing every day. And if you go over for the night before, no one cares. you got to go out there and perform the next night. And we're expecting you to be able to produce at every level. And we're expecting you to one day and, you're, and you want to be at the big leagues. So you're putting that pressure on you. you got outside pressure on you. And, and so now to have that communication where you're hearing the same things, to me, that's like it should be step one in every organization, should it not be?
0: No 100% should be and you know as I as I you know obviously you made a lot of good points it's the first thing that came to mind is you know the first thing that's gonna go when a hitter's in his own head swing and miss you know what lack of communication between each level like there's nothing that's gonna put a a good kid who wants to make it to the big leagues and wants to listen in a in a blender, then different right. information come from, from in different, different
1: directions. Yeah. Right.
0: I've experienced. I've experienced it. We've all probably been there with like, you know, dad saying one thing, coaches saying another, buddy Bye. saying another. Like we've all been there. Right. And and there's nothing hitting wise that is going to create more spin swing and miss than just flat out overthinking hitting. Right. right. Like if you're overthinking what how you're moving in the box, you ain't thinking about hitting the ball. I can tell you that much. And especially at that level you ain't mm. thinking about hitting the ball. You right. ain't hitting the ball. Like there's no way. There's no if-ands or buts about that. Ninety-five to ninety-seven with life is n- is missing your barrel every right. time. W- when you're thinking about, well, are my hands in the right spot? Is you know anything? And it's just like when it when everything's about development and you're just getting new information at every level you go up. It's impossible to have success. It's just flat out impossible. It's impossible to have success doing that at you know 12 to 13 sure. you trying to switch your swing up every year sure. there there has to be a level of continuity there between especially levels right and organizations you can't be getting different information from from every which end and and the other thing you mentioned is obviously the pitching you're right Spencer Howard flamed out there was guys left like when was the last time the the Phillies developed a pitcher is like Aaron, wow, Nola. Well, Aaron Nola pretty much right. is it right and they got yeah they got three guys coming that are really good and, and I think the reason why that is is because pitching is a little bit of a quicker transition we've seen but it at the major league levels when this whole New age technology craze came like pitching skyrocket. Like you saw guys like Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, like, yeah, turn around their careers, right? Charlie like, you're talking Morton. about guys. Garrett right. Cole was obviously a top pick. So, yeah, Charlie Morton, the, the age of information, it impacted the pitchers so much quicker than it impacted hitters because there's a transition, right? You yep. can't teach an old dog new tricks, and hitting is all about tricks, right? It's all about being. Passionate and being deep and rooted in what your swing is because if you're trying to change it up every week you're not going to have very much success at at the best of the best pitching is just like hey kind of change this little thought process here and and your ball kind of spins this way and locate it here and it's five or six bullpens for guys as talented as Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander to make that adjustment and boom they pop right? And Charlie Morton included in that. And for hitters, it's like, dude, I could be the best of the best, but you know, you saw Juan Soto this year struggle this year. He was working through some things. That's how good you ha- you can be in struggle, right? Hitting wise. Because if you're in that box and you're not 100% confident in what you're doing and what you're capable of, you're not going to have very much success. And that's pretty much why it pitching like it seems like this transition and this transition of thought has been coming down for the Phillies for a while and there's obviously been a lot more continuity on the pitching side and there seems to be a lot more continuity on the hitting side and the ability to completely balance that and get to the point where you know you're seeing the success at all levels you're seeing the development just run free and guys get into the big league level and everything of that nature and guys are continuing to develop and it's coming from the top to the bottom Bottom, and the ability to to develop, you know, develop hitters, develop hitters at all level. And we talked about it, right? Where did the Phillies go wrong this season? when in terms of where their roster was limited, contracts to guys like Didi to Gregorius, right? When you can develop your players, right? When you can develop in house, you right. don't feel the need to go get Didi Gregorius. And I really think that's a that is something. That I that stuck out to me when I looked at all this because of the fact of the matter was that they they signed this big old contract and then this article comes out. I don't think that's a happenstance. Right. I don't think they want to hand out eleven-year contracts every year. I don't think they want to sign Trey Turner to eleven years. I don't think they want to have a you know they're, they're going to be very happy with these guys. I don't I don't think they're regretting what they did, but I don't think they believe that their team can be built on guys like that. I don't think they believe that they can pay guys into their late forties and and truly think that they can build a World Series contender. So this change of thought tells me they think that. If we get guys like harper if we get guys like turner if we can kind of lock guys up like bomb continue to develop them at the top level and you know make really savvy trades for brandon marsh and guys like that and if we can fix our player development we're gonna be successful for a very long time whether trey turner's a superstar or not whether bryce harper's a superstar or not like when those guys stop bringing the value that they're capable of bringing and that you're paying them to bring What value are they bringing if you're not developing talent? Well, that's magnified when you're not developing your. When you don't have Jeremy Pena's in the world, like your guy who's struggling, who's supposed to be your guy, that matters, right? Bregman had a bad 2021, Right. right? Nobody knew about it. Nobody talked about it. Like he's hurt, banged up, struggled. Nobody talked about it because the Astros filled it. Cody Bellinger hasn't been good since 2019. Maybe even wasn't in was not good one in 2018. Yeah. Nobody talks about it. Why? Yeah, 19. And you know why? because the Dodgers continue to develop talent and even at the big league level it does not stop it doesn't stop for them and the ability to do that is what the Phillies understand like hey if we really want to be long term we want to be sustainable I know I got on here and torched him for throwing around money and Dombrowski doing everything that he's doing I got to give credit to Dombrowski right. because this says right. to them because he runs everything you get the bad you get the good right you you you're the decision maker you might have handed it to Preston Mattingly which obviously but that was his decision so the ability to do that and completely understand that your organizational health on the whole has to be done this way through pitching and hitting development and seeing the way they're trending that's gonna be what's gonna lead them to be sustainably contender. It's not these big time contracts. And the fact that they know that, the fact that this article comes out now, I don't think it's a I don't think they did it timed it perfectly with that. I think Gelb was doing research, there's people talking and the Trey Turner contract happened to happen. But those things do correlate to each other. I don't think sustainably sustaining those thought processes long term is what they're do. No, Phillies not at all. And I think even if you
1: just look at like look at bomb and stop and look at like the fruits of this already paying off for them like the development of those two guys just in the last couple years and Alec Baum who had a disastrous 2021 and then started off this past year and and everybody has probably seen it by now he had the three errors in the first three innings and I hate this effing place when he was getting booed in Philly and and then his season completely turned around he's a guy who ends up hitting 300 a key piece to a World Series team I mean and and that is so much of a credit to Preston Mattingly and Kevin Long and having this the system in place where these guys can fail, but also then turn around, continue to develop and succeed. And, and Bryson Stott, who broke camp, probably shouldn't have, broke camp with the big league club, right? And 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 really, really struggled in May, and April and May, and then goes down to the minors and then comes back up. And I'll tell you what, you look at him in the postseason and you think that's a guy that's going to be a piece for years. Like that's going to be a guy for them. And how they've done that and how Kevin Long and, and that organization is kind of... Starting to turn the tide on what they've done because for years it was a wasteland, right? And and you look at Scott Kingry and you think about, you know, I love your analogy of talking about mm-hmm. 12, 13 year old trying to change their swing every day. And what do you what does that normally produce, right? We've all seen the kid with the chicken wing elbow and little leg, right? Who looks like a robot, right? You paralyze them, right? It's paralysis by <laughs> analysis, right? And and, yep. and sure, we're in the information age, but it's understanding mm-hmm. how to communicate that information. That's what people get lost in. That's what people like. There's a guy yeah. on Twitter. I'm not going to give him the time of day. of saying his name. He's a former big leaguer who has no business. You know, it's a shame he even has a platform to talk because he just doesn't get it right. But there's a there. There is some credence in the fact that yeah, if you just were to pump information, and there's people who do misuse the information, and you just great. If you don't know how to communicate that information, it is worthless and it can be bad. But it's also it's also bad not to, to dive yeah. into that information. And yep. it seems to me like. You know what the Phillies are trying to start doing is what some of these other organizations like the Dodgers and Astros do, which is understand how to communicate that information, understand how to digest it, understand so that every level of your organization is on the same page, and you have to. I mean, like you said, if you could avoid yeah. the Trey Turner contract, you would have, and you know, Didi Gregorius would have never been their shortstop if mm-hmm. Scott Kingery was developed properly. Right, if you developed Scott Kingery properly and he turns into the guy mm-hmm. you thought he was, you would have never had the Dee Dee Gregorius contract. You might not have had the Trey Turner contract. It depends on how good or not good he was. No. Or you know, that's a little bit further down the road. But Dee Dee would have never been in, in Philly, and, and that's nothing against Dee Dee. I, I really liked him. I, I think he's a good person, and I think he was a good player. He's a little bit past his prime, but you know, he was getting paid too much money to, for, for the value of what he was. And you wouldn't have had Johan Camargo get 180 yeah. at bats in the beginning of the season. You know that those would have been Scott Kingery's at bats, and and yep. you know so so hopefully now you know guys like Brandon Marsh mm-hmm. who are up at the big league level, who's a 24 year old who they got at the deadline last year, and you know hopefully these things can start working. Some of these other draft picks that they've got, you know, you wouldn't have Brandon Marsh if Adam Hazley, was the fifth overall pick out of the yep. University of Virginia, had developed in your minor league system, right? you would have never – Adam Hazley would be your everyday center fielder. Instead, you know, yep. Adam Hazley's is, is toiling in the minors like Kingery. So uh, it's a, definitely a positive. And, it, and as yeah. a Phillies fan, it's certainly encouraging. And all Phillies fans should be excited. But it's just so funny to me. It's like it's communication. It is so much about communication. And it's so important. It's and it can't be stressed enough, right? Like I know it seems like we're making a big deal out of something that seems so simple. But until you're in an organization, even at the college level – to be on a coaching staff where the messaging has to be the same, you know, and and, and just speaking from experience at Goldie, I felt like the reasons we started – part of the reason we started to get better is that the coaches continued to get better at communicating with one another and understanding what everybody wanted, and we were all on the same page. So all the players were getting the same exact messaging, and that really helped, and and you look at the year that we had in 21, and I hate to always bring it back to that team, but, like, that coaching staff, you know – obviously it started at the top with Skip who's an all-time all-time and and Trayton and and Mike Payton and myself and Tommy and you and like everybody's on the same page and when you can do that and everybody can be on the same page and and the messaging is the same, you know that matters so so much to your organization
0: it's everything. It's, 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 it's everything in leadership. It's everything in baseball. It's everything in, in coaching world. It's, it's everything. And, and, and it's really, I know, like, like you said, you, people probably feel like we're beating a dead horse at this point, but communication key. Right. And, and you look at this, the way this organization's trending and, and everything of that nature, it's just, that is, that is a big deal to be able to have that continuity and, and, I'll yeah, raise my hand, man. Were. I'm the biggest K-Long fan. I was a fan with him when, the, obviously, he was ahead of the game with Daniel Murphy. He, the, he came over when Daniel Murphy was with the Nationals. He obviously did a great job. We've, we did a whole episode, basically, dedicated to, to Kevin Long. Always. So Kevin always. Long, when you how, hear this, you're always welcome on the Backside Ground Balls How podcast. important is K-Long to Juan
1: Soto?
0: Top dog. I
1: mean, I'm not saying that Soto's numbers were down because he wasn't with K-Long this year, oh, but I'm saying just think, the development of Juan Soto. And what we saw I, Soto I doing it. at a young yeah. age, you look in the dugout mm-hmm. last year, when he's having that ridiculous second half stretch, and Long's the one in his ear, right? And and what does Juan Soto? What does Juan Soto do that? Yeah, you're starting, that you're starting to notice most of Long's disciples do. What does Schwarber do well? What did Hoskins start to do well? Flat mm-hmm. on fastballs up in the zone, yeah, right? There's nobody better in the league than Juan flat, Soto with
0: that. on plane. And then you start yeah, to look at, everything. At, at guys
1: on the Phillies, right? Harper obviously has the ability no. to do it now. Harper, much like Soto, is taking a, a Robert Swear's 98 mile an hour fastball up and out a place that was his one hole, and he's sending the Phillies to the World Series on a ball like that. And and you see Schwarber doing it nonstop, and you see Hoskins doing it, you see mm-hmm. Real Muto punching that into the into the you know that short right field box in Philly. That. Th- K-Long yep. is the top dog. You said it. Like, I, I think K-Long is so good. And, and to put that – I think it's so smart too to, to have hey. sat here for all these years when we were getting into this new wave of coordinators and really the information and stuff to sit there and, and not have the big league hitting or pitching coach be the the main voice for those guys seems kind of ridiculous when you think about it.
0: seems very ridiculous it's very ridiculous that would be like having the you know linebackers coach called defensive plays like when the defensive coordinator's sitting there right like those guys literally your minor league hitting coaches are your most important developmental pieces in your organization right like this is no doubt no no questions like your minor league if the major league guy is your best hitting guy and he's going to get the guys at the most important point when they're most likely or they're most valuable and most expected to perform, like that's the guy who should be leading the continuity down. And, and it's just, that's the, that is the thing. And and what that good organization seemed to do, I always thought it came more from the organizational side of things like, Hey, like the major league hitting coach works for the organization who has their ideologies, which I believe is is what it usually is. Um, And like the, the Dodgers and everything of that nature, those organizations that, that really flow. But, it, it'll be interesting to see how the difference impacts the Phillies, right? One of the things that I always used to say, I, I wholeheartedly believe this, is player development, barring injury or maturation problems, is on the organization, right? If, right. if your first round pick fails, it's on you. Mickey Moniak was a first overall pick, right. and I'm not saying he's good, but somebody lost him along the way. Well, and you think and about it was somebody in and the think Phillies about organization. Moniak
1: broke. Right, he was getting ready to break spring with spring training with them, and then that last exhibition game in Tampa, he breaks his hand, and then he has to have surgery, yeah. and he misses time, and then he he comes up and he struggles a bit, and and you know they they didn't have room for him, they end up trading him, but Moniac turned it yeah. around and got himself this opportunity this year. Strangely yeah. enough, when Preston Mattingly and K Long are are taken over in in, in that clubhouse, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's a coincidence. It, Again, it's not a coincidence.
0: No i don't I don't think it is i really don't think it is and even you, you mentioned adam hazley that's a fifth overall pick like fifth. like nobody's coming out of yeah nobody's coming out of left field right like right. with these picks like I'm, I'm just telling you like there are guys at mob.com baseball america or mob organizations they build these draft boards off of the information they're given and the eyes that they lay on guys and they're good right they're not idiots they're not sure. stupid they're not pulling these guys out of a hat Adam Hazley being a fifth overall pick was not out of left field. Nick York being a first-round pick with the Red Sox, that was probably the most out of left field pick in recent memory where a guy was like in the 60s, 70s. They didn't have a second-round pick. They picked this guy. They really liked him, and he's been a great minor leaguer, right? That was the most out of left field pick. So none of the Phillies' picks have been bad. By the time they get to the big leagues, they're terrible, but they're bad in terms of when you look at the value, when you look at the talent the guy has, you're like, I could see him being a first overall value. I could see Adam Hazley being a fifth overall value. He has this skill set. He does this well. And the flaws in those players were magnified because the organization did not put them in a position to be successful. And you see the best organizations. You see what they're able to do. You see the ones that really develop players and really, as I like to say, milk every ounce of talent out of every guy you have and every ounce of potential out of every guy you have those are the ones that put those guys in a position to be successful. But the guys that really perform at the big league level, what do you always see? Hey, they're good in the low minors. Right. They're really good in double A. They're really better in triple A, and they're great in the big right. leagues, right? These guys hit their peak when they get in the big leagues. The Phillies organization and a lot of organizations, man, it's not just the oh, Phillies. So most of them. You get on here. I'm, I'm starting to feel like we're a Phillies podcast some of these <laughs> days because obviously they're in the news. They went to the World Series, right. you know. We're, they're kind of presently focused, but you would hear about these guys in in A ball. Like this guy's really good. He's balling. He's he's hitting well. He's showing power. He's going to grow. He's going to get better. He's going to get better. He's going to get better. He's going to be stud at Double A. He starts to stink a little. Well, he's young. He moved up really quick. Triple right. A. He's terrible. Right. And nobody talks about him anymore. And it's on to the new one. And A ball. The good organizations. Every level those guys go up. Every level those guys we face hear better about competition. Them more. They get better. Right. We hear about them more. We hear about how talent, how much they're getting better, how much they're growing. The Phillies, it was the opposite. I never think it was a talent problem with anything, pitcher, hitter, anything. I think their pitching decision-making was flawed. You see the guys like Griff McGarry, Andrew Painter, and Mick Abel. Those guys have different skill sets that the Phillies did not prioritize in the past. Right. Conversation for another day, we would have to look at their draft turns to do that. Position player-wise, talent was never an issue. Never an issue. And it was development at each level. And being able to get a guy like K-Long, who, again, he's top dog. Like, I'm, I'm going to take that. The more I read and the more I hear, like, yeah, he's he the best continues to, to dig. Yeah, he digs that lead, right? Like, he's dumping everybody off, you know, the the guys at the Dodgers, the guys with the Astros, the guys everywhere across the league. Like, you guys are looking up to K-Long. Like, you guys are – like, he is one step ahead of everybody. Like, always. He always has been. When everybody – when. We're talking about like the nationals. This is the the biggest thing. This was kind of like my realization. I'm sitting in Dickie's barbecue pit on Pulaski <laughs> Highway, all in veterans, York, Delaware. Uh, yeah, not all <laughs> veterans. Day. Thank God, I would not have been been able to feel myself think. But I'm clean in the front, and this was right after the sticky stuff came out. Right, they were banning the sticky stuff, and they showed the team like who was the team that had the most success in June when all the pitchers had to stop using sticky stuff Right, and specifically showed the players, right? The nationals hit the most home runs in comparison to the difference between May and June. Yes. That was a little bit of getting healthy, but I, that was when I realized, Holy crap, there's something to this because the players who were at the top were Joey Gallo, Kyle Schwarber, Shohei Otani, who are three guys that are historically uphill they're uphill swinging wise and who is going to miss those high spin high vertically moving fastball oh, steep guys guys who are uphill no. yeah and the ability to teach that and like say, like, hey, like, this is gonna help us. And that nationals team ended up getting banged up. They ended up moving Schwarber. Schwarber's obviously turned himself into just a stud of a baseball player. Soto's doing his thing. Trey Turner can get on top of a high pass ball. And who knows? Maybe that's why the, the Phillies feel oh, so comfortable sure. giving them a ton of years. For sure. You know, is because they're like, hey, your swing is flat. K Long's going to continue to milk that potential out of you, and everything like that. And it, I don't think it's a it was it was a shock to me that that the Nationals showed the most improvement when the sticky stuff and the spin rates were down and the vertically moving fastballs were down. Because guess who was the best at hitting the high fastball and getting on plane with those pitches? The Nationals at that point. And guess who was running that group? Kevin Long. Well, nice. And if he, if anybody wants to think that's not a cor- correlation. Like if people want to don't think he's the cause for that, I, I'll go to bat saying that he is.
1: Well, yeah, and I think there's there's no doubt that there's a reason that Trey Turner of of the you know, everyone knew going into this offseason, especially after they went to the World Series, that the Phillies were going to prioritize shortstop. And I don't think there's I think everyone who follows the team and, and, and knows anything knew that Trey Turner was going to be priority number one of that group because of Kevin Long, right? He had the success. He's worked with Trey Turner. There's a comfort there. There's a comfort there for Turner who had an unbelievable year, you know, and had a ton of success like most guys do with Kevin Long as a city coach. And, I mean, yeah. I think that's why they were comfortable giving Schwarber the amount of money and in the, in the length that they gave Schwarber, right? Because if you True. if you remember, before Schwarber ends up with, with Kevin Long and the Nationals, Schwarber was an afterthought. He signs a one-year prove-it deal mm-hmm. with the Nationals because he was a guy that people thought, you know, was kind of just that – he came up, and, and he was really good those first couple years on that Cubs team, and he had been kind of plagued by injuries a little bit, and his numbers had really tailed off with the Cubs towards the end there. But then he goes back, and he gets with Kevin Long. He has a monster year. He then goes to Boston and continues it for the back half of that year. He signs with the Phillies last offseason, gets some length, gets some money for himself, and, I mean, he hits 50 home runs between the regular season and, and the postseason this year. And Kevin Long's sitting there with him, you know, going through it all with him again. I, uh, yep. there's so many examples of just Kevin Long being, I mean, he's run offenses. I mean, back you can go back to his time in New York under Girardi. I mean, yep. he's done things with guys from the start. And I think kind of tying it back into our, our previous conversation is like, I think Kevin Long's one of the best chameleon coaches in the game. Oh, and I think God, that's yeah. what makes him so good is because, Kevin Long isn't still preaching the same things he was preaching with the Yankees. I can can bet. I'll bet you everything I got on that one. Uh,
0: And he's not preaching the same thing to Alec Baum as he's preaching to uh, Bryson Stott as he's preaching to Gene Segura. Yeah, or Bryce Harper. Like each guy in there gets – they're not putting buckets in that organization, and that's how a hitting coach should be. Right. right? There's not one-size-fits-all, and that's what makes – that's why Kevin Long is the guy that's still there from the late 2000s, right, 2008, 2009. This is a guy who's still a hitting coach at the MLB and still valued because he is able to adapt, A, with the times, and B, with every player. He could teach a guy to get, you know, hey, we need to hit more balls in the air, and then he could teach a guy, hey, we need to get on top of the ball more in the same breath. Right. In the same breath, the same I guarantee he could do yeah. it. Yeah, in the same hitting group, those guys could hop out of the cage, and he he'd be talking to the next guy, giving him the complete opposite because he gets it, he gets it, and and don't be don't think there's not some truth in the fact that guys want to go play for him. Sure. Right? Like that, that like, don't think that it's not a surprise that like, hey, like guys come to the Nationals to work with him. Guys go to the Phillies to work with him. Guys, Brandon Marsh improves his career. Right. Like they, I, 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 I'm sure we could go way back to the Yankees time of guys who saw massive improvements, go to the Mets time where guys had massive improvements, go into the Nationals time where guys had massive improvements when they got in front of K-Long and he was able to adapt and put them in a position to be successful and that's pretty much where it ends right like that's the conversation we want to talk about you know the the phillies hitting development everything like that like when you got that guy running the organization and that guy overseeing everything that's the guy i want to believe in in this in this league that's the guy i'm going to go to bat for and and put my put you know if i'm putting all the chips on the table with any hitting coach hitting coach and i might not say organization hitting coach he was with the dodgers oh my god right I'd be, I I would be living and dying off of their success because I would have every chip on the table.
1: Exactly. And as you shouldn't, I mean, I, I think it, like you just even listened to Brandon Marsh talk ever since he came over at the deadline and just talk about how, you know, just the, the couple immediate minor adjustments that they made at the plate and he was like, I felt like my whole, like my, my world changed. Like, you know, he, you talk about a guy who had a, a ton of potential and again, an organization that, you know, we, we could really spend some time on, um, that that really struggled developing players outside of one who I don't you know Mike Trout who would have developed I think himself. There are <laughs> yeah, my
0: fiance could have developed <laughs> right, him.
1: exactly, exactly. So I, I mean, and that's an organization that struggled. And, and Marsh was a, was a, a high, highly thought about prospect in that organization. He was highly talked about. He's obviously has a ton of athletic gifts. He's a plus defender had a premium position in center field. And the bat was there, and the contact was there, and the average guy was there, and there was going to be a little bit of pop in that. And it wasn't happening. You know, you have him in left field in L.A., and he's hitting two twenty, and he's got five home runs, and, you know, he's 24 years old, and and he's starting to become a guy who's maybe not going to – is going to become a platoon candidate. And then next thing you know, he's in Philadelphia, and in, you know, 40 games in a postseason, you see him hitting big three-run home runs in the postseason. You see, you know, he hits almost three hundred when he comes over in that trade. And it's just like that quick. K Long just like saw something. And, you know, you even read about that deadline. And, and they went to Kevin Long and asked him about Brandon Marsh. And K Long digested some tape and immediately was like, Yeah, I got something. Like, that's that's freakish. Yeah. To, to have that ability. He is. And
0: he is. And, and kept...
1: be that kind of asset for an organization yeah. is, is
0: huge. Brandon Marsh is a lot like Daniel Murphy. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Like their skill set uh-huh. from, from when daniel murphy made that switch they're very similar that's to a each good other. comp yeah. and the issue with brandon marsh is he probably he's probably got he probably had a lot of different people telling him like you know because everybody wants to join the craze like i'm sure i'm not the person first person who's been like hey you're kind of like daniel murphy a lot of contact left-handed bat you know you don't produce the highest exit velocities we just got to get you to the pole in the air and keep it fair and and you're gonna have success and and i'm sure there's a lot of people that kind of got him out of whack because of that because he's not as flat necessarily as daniel right. murphy was when he kind of made that switch. But, you know, the skill set, the hand-eye coordination, the ability to put barrel to ball is, is very similar. Um, and, and obviously, he's, a, he's actually probably a better athlete than Daniel Murphy, which is a, which is a credit to, to what Brandon Marsh's potential could be, right? And, and I'm, not, I'm not sitting here saying I was a fly on the wall when Kay Long digested that tape and we came to the agreement that it was Daniel Murphy and similar to the improvements that he had. But it, it just the skill set, the left-handed bat, the bat-to-ball focus, kind of good athlete guy is, is kind of what Daniel Murphy was before he made the switch. And again, like you talk about being a chameleon. And this will be the last kind of point I make on that. Kyle Schwarber and Daniel Murphy are polar opposites. Right. Both careers were made by Kevin right. Long. You could argue, you know these these improvements. But I, I no, I I will say it. Both careers were made by Kevin Long. I don't have concrete. Daniel Murphy said it. Kyle Schwarber hasn't. Well, wow, Schwarber talking about how
1: important it. he's been to his career for sure. Yes. I mean, Schwarber doesn't mm-hmm. sign that deal in Philly, four years, seventy nine no. million without Kevin Long.
0: Kevin Long, not at all. Not at all. There's no doubt about that and and that's somebody that that if you're a hitting guy and and you like I said, we'll, we'll get him on the pod. I would love to we'll get him to. on the pod. I'll I'll I'll, I'll touch base and, and and just send him a billion DMs until he finally <laughs> tells me to leave him alone. But we'll, we'll try. We'll do our best. We'll get him on the pod. We got a we got a we got a minor leaguer now. We can do whatever we want. And just um, last so
1: last sorry. Last thing while we while we've gone on for an hour about the Phillies well, and and I think Part of the reason why I was so quick to defend Dabrowski last time we talked is like, you look at what they've been able to build, right? And I think with Rob Thompson taking over and a credit to him too, we haven't mentioned in this. And I think the fact that Rob Thompson can now sit there as the manager and he always talks about being able to delegate and understanding that as a manager, you have to rely on guys. They have a great thing going now with their pitching because I think their their staff Mm -hmm. that works with their arms and Caleb Cotham, like those guys, they do a great job. And, K-Long, obviously, but Dombrowski, what he's done, revamping the minors. And then you look at guys like Brandon Marsh is going to be 25 next year. Alec Baum is a young guy. Uh, Bryce Stott's mm-hmm. a young guy. You have the arms coming up that are the pitchers. And sure, you have the big-name free agents, but that's what's going to make them one of the best teams in baseball, you would hope, going into the next couple of years. But the fact that they have been able to now – you know what they had been missing before Dombrowski got there was the, all, the, the, contributors, the contributions from the young guys – And I think that's a credit to Dombrowski as well. Like you said, the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, To to be able to put these systems in place to allow those, you know, to have those those contributions from the young guys, to have those coaches and to have the development plan in place while also flexing the money that you have. Because that's what the Dodgers do, right? Like we talked about that That's what the Dodgers do. The Dodgers flex their money, but they also can out-develop you.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And that's when organizations become lethal. Right exactly and and that's and again i'm I'm not here to gaslight the phillies even they're, more they're, well um, they're not there yet more, for more. sure they're not, are, they're not they're not then they have to put right, you know put up or shut up right.
1: they're making the right steps Cause,
0: yeah and at the end of the day the dodgers also draft better than you and whether that's developmentally the dra- the dodgers drafted the back end of the first round better than a lot of teams Correct. draft at the top of Correct. the first round and again whether that's developmentally whether that's you know in their evaluation i i don't know but the the dodgers have not you know they knock their draft picks out of the park especially in the first round they don't miss on very many first round picks and you know again i'm sure it's a combination of both but you know there's there's no doubt about that so they got to get there the phillies still have a couple you know years ahead of them where they should be contending at the big league level but there's a lot of pieces in the minor leagues that. Have the potential to, you know, build this team to the constant contender that I think a lot of people were hoping for in 2011. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like you were thinking like big money team, a lot of homegrown talent there. You know, lock these guys up, fill the fill it with top prospects, and maybe you got something there. And and obviously it fell to the wayside, I think, probably because of player development. Um, I think, you know, that's that's kind of the that's kind of the root of all evil in, in the in major leagues, right? right? You know, you want to talk about the teams that have success. It, it comes down to player development, you know, and and that comes down to you know we can get nitty gritty and say communications, relationships, putting guys in a position to be successful, individual player development, all those things that are kind of subsets of player, player development. development are very important. Important, But hopefully we'll see the Phillies kind of make a you know huge step forward with that and, and start to turn out some some fourth or fifth round picks that, that turn out to be valuable major leaguers. So, um, Dan, any last thoughts on, on that topic? Anything Anything you got concerning you?
1: No, no, not really. Thanks. For, hey, I appreciate you, like I said, being the glue here. Uh, some, some minor technical difficulties, uh, as you would expect, when you're trying to record a podcast from – Uh, 885 through north carolina and virginia but uh Mm -hmm. you know good leadership tonight by you
0: Ah, of course (laughs) of course of course i mean you've dominated our fair share of podcasts uh you know, it, it it's a give and take, right? We're a team. We talk about that. You know, we're we're gonna keep growing this thing. But, you know, as much as I know you want me to stay on for five more yes. hours, I do have a, a work tomorrow and, and dinner to eat. So uh, I'd love to hop on here and continue to churn out this episode. But, um, that you you be safe on your drive home and uh, no text, no no on the phone. I know you're good with that. You're you're better than most with that. So yeah. uh, we'll stay off your phone. Make sure we get home safe To, to our listeners, like I said um you know make sure you're following the TikTok YouTube page subscribe and share Um, you know we're really excited with the the thoughts of where we think this thing's headed right we got some good ideas obviously with the TikTok and the batting practice segment that we're going to start hopefully recording once a week Um, we're going to try to get active on TikTok try to get some followers that way and hopefully when we're turning into the spring training and and season of next year we're going to have a pretty good loyal base and and hopefully be doing this and and producing more content when we come back to the season maybe two episodes a week maybe even three if we can finagle that Um, and we're, we're super excited excited for obviously Colin getting on here and, and he'll give us a perspective through the minor leagues of that you know we obviously can't give and we think it's going to be a different perspective that that you guys are going to like so make sure we're liking make sure we're sharing make sure we're subscribing and follow on all the socials Twitter TikTok we'll work on getting an Instagram out there and getting some clips on that as well um, but make sure everybody enjoys the holiday happy holidays merry christmas and safe travels if anybody's traveling going home whether it be from college or visiting family anything of that nature make sure you enjoy the podcast steal all your family members phones and go on yeah. the podcast and make sure you subscribe to to backside ground balls podcast tell them about us tell them we're good you're friends of the pod and and we'll make sure we keep growing this thing as much as possible but we're going to be ringing in the new year with some really good content and we're really excited about the future that this podcast and and everything that we can do from that end so um until we will get one before the new year so until next week we'll be back on uh, hopefully monday with another pod